the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. So you're being filled. Why? Because his, though his spirit never leaves us, we leak, right? <laughs> and so we need to be constantly filled with his presence and his spirit. Welcome to The Barnabas Effect with Paul Purvis, Senior Pastor of Mission Hill Church, a multicultural, multi-generational, multiplying church focused on shining the light and love of Jesus Christ like a city on a hill. You're invited to visit any of the three locations in Temple Terrace and Tampa. For information and locations, visit missionhillchurch.com. Now, with today's message, here's Pastor Paul Purvis. Think about the darkest moment in your life. You've got it, don't you? It doesn't take long, does it? It's amazing how our mind works. I'm not trying to discourage you, but it doesn't take much to go to a dark place. So maybe it was a death or sickness. Maybe it was a season of physical pain or relational loss. Maybe it was gripping fear or paralyzing uncertainty. And you battled discouragement, depression, or despair. In my 50 years, I've come to believe that everybody can understand darkness. And most of us don't like it. As little children, we say, Mommy, Daddy, help, it's dark. (laughs) We, We don't like the darkness. You can even look at what has become a perennial favorite, a generational franchise, Star Wars, and understand there's a dark side. There's good and there's bad. So it's not surprising that when God tries to describe himself to us over and over again in scripture, he uses this analogy of light and darkness. And that's what we're going to talk about as we continue this series. Hello, my name is I Am. The I Am statements of Jesus. Last week we began with this one. I am the bread of life. Today we're going to be studying I am the light of the world. Next week I am the door. And then I am the good shepherd. Followed by I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the true vine. And then on Easter weekend I am the resurrection and the life. But today, today we're on that second I am. I am the light of the world. Jesus utters these words in the midst of the celebration of what is called the Feast of the Tabernacles. God assigned to the children of Israel different celebrations, different feasts, primarily for the purpose to point back to him so that they might remember who he is and what he's done So the Feast of the Tabernacle was one in which the children of Israel would literally build little huts, little tabernacles to remind themselves what it was like when they had to build those little tents, those hiding places to protect them from the elements in their wilderness wandering. And they would then gather in the temple. 
In the outer part of the temple court was what is known as the court of the women. And in the court of the women, you would find four very large candelabras. And these would be lit, not unlike we like Christmas trees or or celebrate lights at that time of the year. And it would be a great celebration of light. Those candelabras would burn and remind the people that God had guided them. Just like it says in Exodus 13, by a pillar, a cloud in the day and by fire in the night. The temple doesn't stand today. You can go and stand on the southern steps that were there when the temple stood, and and that can remind you of what the temple was like. But in that day, that's where Jesus would have gathered. And in John 7, it tells us that at first he didn't want to go to Jerusalem to celebrate the Feast of the Tabernacles, but he was drawn there. And so he went, and as he went, he began to teach. Jesus had a way of doing that, didn't he? That's where he was when he was 12 years old, hanging out with the rabbis, teaching the truths of God. It's in that context that Jesus would utter words that would be part of the case against him, that would lead to the charge of blasphemy. It would be his claim to be God. He would say, I am the light of the world. And this is the context. Look at verse 37 of John 7. On the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and he cried out, If anyone thirst, let him come to me and drink. (laughs) We are to be like Christ, right? That's what a Christian is. I would just tell you, Jesus was never subtle about what he came to do. He was never covert. So it's interesting that we as followers of Christ sometimes think we can just kind of slip in and slip out. That we think our fellowship does not have to affect our relationships. That it's okay to be a secret agent Christian. It's not. Jesus was always saying radical things. Just before this, he had said, I am the bread of life. If you just taste of me, you will never hunger again. And now, he says, (laughs) I am the living water. You drink of me, you'll never thirst again. It could be because he knew that that feast had begun with them going down to the pool of Siloam and picking up buckets of water and taking those and dumping them on the altar in the temple to remind them that God had provided for them. There's nothing wrong with tradition. In fact, we need to remember what God has brought us through. Some of us today need to reflect on our wilderness wanderings and remember that God has been faithful. And because he has been faithful, he will be faithful again. He will meet our needs. He will satisfy. He will quench our thirst. So Jesus would go on to say, whoever believes in me, as the scriptures has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. John then gives us commentary. Now this he said about the spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive, for as yet the spirit had not been given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. John is writing this after the events took place. So he's writing after Jesus had ascended into heaven, the Holy Spirit had descended down. He understood the idea that though Jesus would go back and sit at the right hand of the Father, the Holy Spirit would be with us to never leave us, never forsake us. And so he was trying to help us reading today understand that when Jesus said, if you drink of me, you'll never thirst again, that the Holy Spirit stays with us. Maybe you need to be reminded of that today. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. 
He is the with us God. Verse 40, when they heard these words, some of the people said, this really is the prophet. Others said, this is the Christ. Do you understand what that word means? Christ means Messiah or anointed one. So they were saying, this is the real deal. This this is what we've been waiting for. Others said, is the Christ to come from Galilee? Has not the scripture said that Christ comes from the offspring of David and comes from Bethlehem, the village where David was? So there was a division among the people over him. And, And I'm reminded of this truth. Jesus always divides. You you can't stand for the truth, the claims of Christ, and expect not to be divisive. So if you're a person that can't stand confrontation, if if you never want to be in an argument, you're going to have a trouble standing strong on the claims of Jesus because the truth of Jesus always divides. So there was division among the people. Some of them wanted to arrest him, but no one laid hands on him. The officers then came to the chief priests and the Pharisees who said to them, why did you not bring him? The officer answered, no one ever spoke like this man. That's true today. You see, that's why you can go through a lot of religious experience and walk away unchanged. I like to say you can be Baptist or Catholic or Methodist or Episcopal or Lutheran or Presbyterian or Assembly of God. Fill in whatever blank you want. You could go through a lot of ritual. You could go to church class or confirmation or communion. You could walk down an aisle. You could be dipped or dunked and baptized. And nothing changed. But if you encounter Jesus, truly encounter Jesus, you begin to say nothing like this has ever happened to me before. Because when God speaks, you begin to feel no one has spoken like this before. And notice what happens next. The Pharisees answered him, have you been deceived? Have any of the authorities, the Pharisees, believed in him? But this crowd that does not know the law is accursed. Nicodemus who had gone to him before and, and was one of them, said to them, now, wait a second, Nicodemus, Nic- Nicodemus, that sounds familiar. Where have we heard of Nicodemus? John chapter 3, the Bible says a Pharisee, a leader of the law, comes to Jesus at night in the dark. He doesn't want to be seen because he's a religious person, but he is drawn to Jesus. And just so you know, that's what Jesus does. He draws men and women boys and girls to him and maybe you've come in today you're listening you're watching today and and you you're being drawn to Jesus he's drawing you to him so Nicodemus was drawn to Jesus and he said how do I have what you've got how do I become a part of this kingdom that you're building and Jesus said simple you've got to be born again and Nicodemus responded like you and I would respond if we heard something as absurd as that Nicodemus says, I've already been born. I'm not going back into my mother's womb. Jesus said, no, not that kind of born. You've got to be born into God's family. And that's where he utters the words that all the world knows. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. If you've just joined us, you're listening to The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis. 
Video of the message you're listening to is available when you click the Watch tab at MissionHillChurch.com. Thanks for sharing time with us and for sharing your financial gifts by clicking the Give button at MissionHillChurch.com. And now, with more of today's message, here's Pastor Paul Purvis. That Nicodemus is in this conversation. And and so Nicodemus says to them, does a law judge a man without first giving him a hearing and learning what he does? It seems that conversation by night had an impact on Nicodemus's life. In fact, he may have remembered the words that Jesus said after John 3.16. For the Son of Man did not come into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Nicodemus was slow to see Jesus condemned because he re- maybe he had realized that's not what Jesus came to do. See, the Bible teaches that you and I are condemned. We're condemned because we're born sinners. We're born separated from God. That's why the message of Jesus, the life of Jesus, the birth, the death, the resurrection of Jesus is so important. Because apart from Jesus, we are condemned. But Jesus didn't come just to condemn us. He came to save us from the condemnation we were already within. I wonder how the church would have greater impact if those of us who gather in times like these would, would recognize that truth. That our goal is not to point the finger and condemn, but to open the arms and tell the message that through Jesus, anyone, regardless of what they've done, can experience salvation. Well, they didn't like it when Nicodemus shared this. So verse 52 says, they replied, are you from Galilee too? Search and see that no prophet arises from Galilee. Now, if you've hung out in this church or churches like this, you've heard it described to you that the Bibles that we read today, that's not the way the ancient manuscripts are written. We came along later and added the chapters and we added the verses just to help it to be easier to follow for us. So usually you would just have one passage going straight into another passage. If we read this passage that way, we begin in John chapter 8. It seems like John chapter 7 ends with a a pause, and and then we're in John chapter 8. But if you've got maybe a study Bible, it will show you that those first few verses of John chapter 8 are not at the same place in the earliest of manuscripts. And, And so that's noted for us. It's a little hard for us to understand because this is going to be one of the most familiar stories in all the Bible. And it's one that has lessons and one that we can apply. And our forefathers felt like it did reflect the actions and the words of Jesus. So it's included in our canon. But really what we know is the earliest manuscripts would end in John 7 in verse 52. And it would go straight to what we have as John 8 verse 12. Where it says they replied, are you from Galilee too? Search and see that no prophet arises from Galilee. And Jesus says again... He spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Understand the context. Feast of Tabernacles. Jesus is teaching in the court of women right outside the central part of the tabernacle where all those massive candelabras are flaming with light. They're fighting about who he is while he's standing there. And Jesus, who was never one to back away, says, I am the light of the world. It's enough that he made the preposterous claim that as the bread of life, he would be the inexhaustible source of spiritual nourishment. 
Now, he says he's a genuine light by which truth and falsehood can be distinguished and by which direction can be established. This claim of Jesus is tied to the central message of Scripture. And that's why it's essential that we get it. So let's take a moment and pray and ask God to speak. Father, in the name of Jesus, we simply ask that you would teach us what we do not know, that you would give us what we've not yet learned, that you would make us what we've not become. We are unformed, form us. We have empty places in our lives, fill us. And sin is holding us back. Make it flee in the name of Jesus. Lord, I ask that the words I say and even my thoughts would please you because you are my salvation. I do know that you are the light of the world and it's my desire that you shine through me in these moments so that, Lord, we might all walk away changed. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. The focus on light in Scripture is almost impossible to ignore. Take this for example. Psalms 27.1 The Lord is my light and my salvation. Psalms 119.105 Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Isaiah 9.2 This promise The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelled in the land of deep darkness on them a light has shone. John begins his gospel chapter 1 verse 4 In him was life and the life was the light of men. The light shines in darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Central to the message of the Bible is that light always extinguishes darkness. Darkness never puts out the light. Just think about that. At your house on a dark night, if you open the door from inside, darkness doesn't pour in, light spills out. Light always shines and illuminates the darkness. That's why Jesus, when describing what he had come to do to Nicodemus, would make it clear that if man does not receive the light that is shining, it is his own choice. John three nineteen it says, this is a judgment. The light is coming to the world. People love the darkness rather than the light because their works are evil. God's desire is that we acknowledge that he is the light, that we receive the light, and that we become the light. Matthew 5, 14 is really a verse that describes our mission as a church. Jesus, in that Sermon on the Mount, said, you are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. So we said, we at Mission Hill have the same mission Christ's followers have had for 2,000 years. We simply want to do whatever it takes, wherever we are, to shine with the light and the love of Jesus like a city on a hill. That's our mission. Say that together with me. We want to do whatever it takes, wherever we are, to shine with the light and love of Jesus like a city on a hill. So how do I get to that place where I shine with the light of Jesus? I first have to understand the light. Where do you think the Bible begins describing the importance of light? Genesis. Right at the beginning. 
first chapter, first verses. It says this, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void and darkness was over the face of the deep and the spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. Notice three things. What did the earth look like? It was without form. It was void. And it was dark. Did you get that? This is important. First pages of the scriptures. It's going to set the stage for what the whole story is about. The earth was without form. It's void. And it's dark. So you know what light does? Light always accomplishes three things. Light always forms that which is unformed. Uh, Imagine for a moment that I were holding an orange in my hand. And I were to ask you right now, what color is this object I'm holding in my hand? What would you say? You would say it's orange. But imagine for a second that I was holding that same object in my hand, but it was pitch black dark in this room. And I were to simply ask you, what color is this object I'm holding in my hand? What would you say? You wouldn't know because you couldn't see. Because the only way you could see that an orange is orange is if light shines on the orange. It's only orange to you because light has formed that in your mind. Light forms that which is unformed. Life also fills the voids in our life. You've had that moment in the middle of the night where you get up and you're too tired or too lazy or you don't want to disturb someone else so you don't turn on the lights and you begin walking away trying to find your way to the bathroom or wherever you're headed. And you bump into a chair or you bump into a table or you bump into a door. Why? Because you can't see. But an interesting thing happens when you turn on the light. Those voids that were there began to be filled, right? There's a chair there. There's a table there. That's where the door frame is. Because light fills voids. Light always makes the darkness flee. Light always exposes that which could have not been seen in the dark. And Jesus said, I am the light of the world. What was Jesus saying? I think this is the simple and central message he wants you to get. Jesus wants to form you. Jesus wants to fill you. Jesus wants darkness to flee from your life. I'm going to say that again. I hope you get it. Jesus wants to form you. Jesus wants to fill you. Jesus wants darkness to flee from your life. If there's one thing I want you to get when you walk away from here today, it's this central truth. Jesus wants to form you. Jesus wants to fill you. Jesus wants darkness to flee from your life. Think about that for a moment. You are being formed. That's what the Bible says the process is for becoming like Christ. We're being conformed into his image. Every day I live, I should look more like Jesus. If you have been a Christ follower before today, you should look more like Jesus today than you did yesterday. If you've been a Christ follower for years or for decades, you should look more like Jesus than you did then. Why? Because you are being formed. You are in process. You're not finished yet. If there was a sign around your neck, a good sign would be under construction. 
that's what's happening. Do you understand? You're being formed. Isn't that a good thing? God's still working on you. Say this. Say, I am being formed. But you're also being filled. The Bible says when you're born, you've got this God-shaped void in your life. You're separated from God. If you began a relationship with him, he fills that void. He gives you the Holy Spirit. And Jesus prayed and taught us to pray that we regularly are filled with his spirit. And so you're being filled. Why? Because his, though his spirit never leaves us, we leak, right? <laughs> and so we need to be constantly filled with His presence and His Spirit. You've been listening to The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis, an outreach of Mission Hill Church. If you're looking for answers to difficult questions or searching for a church home, you're invited to any of the three locations in Temple Terrace and Tampa. Details and directions at missionhillchurch.com. The Barnabas Effect is here to provide listeners like you with biblical truth and spiritual encouragement. But it can't be done without your financial support. Go to MissionHillChurch.com and click on the Give tab. Your financial support helps us reach those seeking truth about God and themselves. Thank you for giving at MissionHillChurch.com. Weekdays at 9 a.m. Be encouraged by The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis on Faith Talk, a.m. 570 and 910.